0: Hi everybody, my name is Charles, I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team. I wanna greet all of you joining us, uh, whether you're in Dane County or Wisconsin, around the country, or around the world. Uh, To the Chinese speakers jumping in, to everybody, welcome to Blackhawk Church. We're just so glad you're joining us today. Now, I wanna start today with an observation, and that is this. We Americans are uniquely unequipped to understand Jesus. Now, before anybody gets riled up, you know, before you're like, oh, no, he's saying something wrong with us. No, 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 no. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just making a simple observation about history. We Americans, we, we don't have kings and queens. We fought a war to get rid of the British king, and we don't really like kings. We don't like monarchs. And because of history, we, uh, we don't have any experience living under a king or a queen. We are citizens, not subjects. So we don't have any intuitions about how to be subject to anyone. Now, other countries, you know, even even democracies, many of them have some kind of a cultural memory about living under a dictator or a king or an emperor of some sort. We don't. And because of that, we are uniquely unequipped to understand Jesus. And that's because while we can talk about Jesus in all kinds of different ways, he does have a core identity. And that is this. Jesus is the supreme ruler of the universe. And... We need to understand what that means for us. And that's what I'm talking about today. Now, we are in a sermon series uh, on the book of Psalms. It's called If I'm Honest. And today we're looking at Psalm 110. Uh, It's a psalm about Jesus as the Messiah. Now, if that sounds familiar, that's because two weeks ago, I talked about Jesus as the Messiah. Psalm 2. I said Psalm 2 is one of the foundational passages in the Bible. It it summarizes the whole story of the Bible in just 12 verses. Now, just to jog your memory, this is my summary of the story of Psalm 2. It begins with, we live in a world of rage and shallowness. The world is broken because the demonic rulers of this world have rebelled against God. Now, in response, God has established his king on earth, his Messiah, that's Jesus, who has decisively defeated the demonic rulers by dying for the world on the cross. And then Psalm 2 poses to us this critical, critical question, whose side are you on? Well, this right here, this story right here, this is important. This is important. We need to know this because this is what's underlying the entire world. The world we see is not what it seems. The Bible says this is the underlying reality of our world. This is the true story. The world is at war. God is building his kingdom on earth through his son, Messiah, through his son, Jesus. Whose side are you on? That's the most important question anybody can answer. That was two weeks ago. And so uh, I talked about how, well, this view of Jesus as the Messiah, it's not very comfortable, comfortable for us because it doesn't really mesh with how we, how we usually think about him. And so I said, we need to steep on this. We need to soak in this idea of Jesus as some kind of a world-conquering superhero. So today, that's what we're doing. Today, we're going to soak this in. We're going to steep in this idea of Jesus as the Messiah. So uh, we're going to read Psalm, 10, Psalm 110. Here goes.
1: Psalm 110 of David, a psalm O Senhor disse ao meu Senhor Senta-te à minha direita até que eu faça dos teus inimigos um estrado para os teus pés The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion saying, rule in
0: the midst of your enemies
1: Quando convocares as tuas tropas o teu povo se apresentará voluntariamente Trajando vestes santas desde o romper da alvorada Os teus jovens virão como orvalho. The Lord has sworn and not, will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. O Senhor está à tua direita. Ele esmagará reis no dia da sua ira. You will judge the nations, keeping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. No caminho beberá de um ribeiro e
0: então ergueirá a cabeça. Someone جن 10 is about the Messiah, and according to the New Testament, Psalm 110 is actually about Jesus. So, so here, here's my question. H- how are you guys feeling about this psalm? How are you reacting to this psalm, right? How, how are you reacting when, I, when you heard, like, for example, verse 3 being read, uh, your troops, that's Messiah's troops, your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. Are you, are you seeing the imagery here? Are you seeing the imagery? You have soldiers in ranks upon ranks, in vast numbers like dew on the grass. And, and, they, and they have polished armor glistening in the morning sun. Their, their swords and spears raised in salute to their general. The Messiah is their general. The Messiah is a military leader. Messiah is somebody that the soldiers will follow into battle. It's about honor and power and authority and dominion. Now, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, think Aragorn. Right? Jesus as Aragorn. Okay? Jesus is somebody who marches at the head of an army that is going into battle. He is someone who sm- stands amidst the carnage, victorious. Verse five the Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath, he will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. Whoa! All right, just a quick word here on um, on, viol- on the violence and the dead bodies. Um, the rest of the Bible, especially the New Testament, makes it clear that these kings here, these rulers of the whole earth that are being crushed, they refer to the demons. They, they refer to the spirits who have rebelled against God. And now if you have questions about that, uh, you know, go back to my sermons two weeks, two, two weeks ago on, on book of Psalm, on Psalm 2, or go to our website and find the Invisible Realm series. You can learn a lot more about that there. But the key here is that these two verses, they are, they are a picture of a battle in the spiritual realm. Okay, so, so let me get back to how you're feeling about this, right? How are you guys feeling about Psalm 110? My guess is Psalm 110 is nobody's favorite psalm. Now, I said that two weeks ago. I said that about Psalm 2. I said Psalm 2 is nobody's favorite psalm, and that if Psalm 2 were actually your favorite psalm, go ahead and email me. I did not get a single email, so today I'm making the same challenge. If Psalm 110 was your favorite psalm before today, email me. I'm not holding my breath. And that's because the way Psalm 110 presents Jesus, it just doesn't resonate with us. It doesn't, you know, hit here with us. But you know who Psalm 110 resonated with? Jesus. Who else? His disciples, the writers of the New Testament. How do I know that? Because Psalm 110 is the most quoted Psalm in the New Testament, more so than any of our favorite Psalms, Psalm 23, Psalm 40, Psalm 57, Psalm 104, Psalm 139. Psalm 110 tops them all, and by this criterion, Psalm 110 is the New Testament's favorite psalm. Why? Because Psalm 110 presents Jesus as the supreme ruler of the universe. The key is in verse 1. It begins with, of David, a psalm. That's not an kind of an English editor's insertion, that's actually part of the verse 1 in Hebrew. It's written by David, an ancient king of Israel. He lived about a thousand years before the time of Jesus. And and this is what he writes, Yahweh. Uh, When you see the word LORD in all caps, that marks God's personal name, Yahweh. Yahweh says to my Lord, whoa, okay. So this is where it just really shows us the importance of distinguishing LORD that's in all caps versus LORD that's not in all caps, all right? LORD in all caps, that's God's personal name, Yahweh. LORD over here, that's a title. Kind of like pastor, okay? They're completely different words in Hebrew. Immediate question. So Yahweh says to my Lord, so Yahweh is not my Lord? That is correct. Yahweh is not my Lord. Who is my Lord? Well, according to the rest of the psalm, my Lord is somebody who's going to rule over the whole world. That Yahweh's going to appoint to be the ruler. He is really then Yahweh's Messiah. He is the king. So Yahweh says to the Messiah, sit at my right hand. Now, what does that mean? Well, it really means that Yahweh's inviting the Messiah to come into heaven and rule from heaven on Yahweh's behalf. Okay? Now, now, now this is unexpected because the typical understanding of, 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 of the Messiah is that Messiah is a human king. He is going to be in Jerusalem ruling from a throne in Jerusalem. But here, Yahweh says, no, 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 no. Come on up. Come to heaven. Rule right next to me. Rule right next to the creator God of the universe. Be here. Rule the world on my behalf. So sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, this imagery here, it's pretty obvious, right? You know, like, basically, you know, kiss my feet. (laughs) I'm going to step on you. Uh, it's, It's an image of power and domination, right? Right, the Messiah has the glory and his enemies are humiliated. So it's a picture of the Messiah being invited into heaven. He sits on the throne of heaven and he props his feet up on a footstool that is made of his enemies. That's the image of Psalm 110 about the Messiah. And a thousand years later, a thousand years after this verse is written, Jesus uses it to talk about who he is and what he is about. So let's, let's go back to the unexpected series. This is back in the last fall, and the spring, when we talked about the gospel of Mark. And, and see if you remember, the story of Jesus in Mark ends with Jesus in Jerusalem. And, and, and there are two showdowns that Jesus has with the temple authorities. One was in the temple in front of a huge crowd, and then there's, there's another one where he's been arrested, and he's on trial. And uh, in both showdowns, Jesus quotes Psalm 110, verse one. Just that fact alone should let us know, whoa, all right? Psalm 110 is really big in how Jesus sees himself and sees his mission. But, but I wanna take us to that second showdown. I wanna take us to that, to that, to that moment, which is the morning, early in the morning on the day of his death. He's at the home of the high priest, not as a guest, but he's been arrested and uh, he's on trial. They're going to try to convict him and put him to death. And they've been throwing all kinds of accusation against him. And none of it's sticking. And Jesus doesn't say a word. And then we arrive at the climactic moment of the gospel of Mark. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus, and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes why do we need any more witnesses? He asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. What's happening here? What's happening here is Jesus gets convicted of blasphemy. Now, now the high priest asked Jesus, hey, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? It is not blasphemy to say, hey, I am the Messiah. Okay? Because you know, that's the Jewish king. Yes, I am the Jewish king. That's not blasphemy. It's not even blasphemy to say, hey, I am son of the blessed one, because the Jewish king is known as a son of God. No, the problem here is with Jesus' response. Jesus says, I am, which in Greek is ego, a me. And depending on the context, it could be construed that Jesus is claiming to be God himself. Uh, we're going we're to have a whole... A sermon series this fall that talks about Jesus using the phrase I am to talk about himself in the gospel of John. So we're going to get there. The first talk in that series is on the meaning of the phrase I am. So Jesus here, he says, Ego e me. he says, I am, which we're not, it's not clear exactly what he's saying. And then, and you will see me sitting at the right hand of Of the mighty one. He quotes straight out of Psalm 110, verse 1. He says, I am going to rise up into heaven and I'm going to rule the world from the right hand of God. Okay, right here, Jesus goes far beyond the traditional understanding of the Messiah, some kind of a human political figure. And he says, No, 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 I am a divine figure, I am a heavenly figure, and I am going to rule. That's how Jesus sees himself that's how jesus understands himself through the lens of psalm 110 verse 1 it's not just jesus his disciples his, his, the, the writers of the new testament the, the author of hebrews wrote a whole book that's all about how jesus is bigger and badder than anything you've ever seen before and he spends chapters meditating on psalm 110 especially verse 4 okay which we don't have time to get into Same thing for Paul. Paul's got Psalm 110 on the brain when he's writing this passage in his letter to the Ephesians. Chapter 1, starting 19b. He says, That power, that's God's power working in us, okay? That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Do you see what Paul is doing here? He is working out, he's working out the implications of God elevating Jesus to his right hand in the heavenly realms. What does that mean, Paul thinks about it? Well, he says, well, if Jesus is in the heavens, if he is ruling right now in the heavens, Well, then he must be above, not far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Jesus is above every emperor, every president, every king, every queen, every ruler, every dictator, every prime minister, every world superpower, any rebellious spirits running around on this earth. Jesus is far above all that. And if he's above that, what does it really mean then? It means all things are under his feet. All things. Is there anything out there in this universe that's not under Jesus? No, all things are under Jesus. And that's the thing that Paul is trying to get us to to, to wrap our head around. He's trying to help us understand this is his core identity. Jesus is the ruler of the universe. Jesus is the supreme ruler of the universe. And I can keep saying that over and over and over again until my face turns blue and we're still not going to get it as Americans because we don't get rulers, we don't get kings, we don't get emperors. We are about democracy. We believe in self government, we believe that the people rule. Now, I hope you figured out by now the Bible does not believe in democracy. It's not like Jesus is going to call an election and, you know, hey, in 2020, hey, time to re-elect Jesus as the head of the church or, or the supreme ruler of the universe. Hey, everybody, I died for your sins. And we're like, Jesus, that was like first century. Come on. What's like 21st century platform? What are you going to do for the next four years? Not going to happen. And it's not just democracy. We Americans, we're about the individual. The culture says, it's really about me. It's, it's my preferences, my desires, my self-expression, and we should have the freedom to do whatever we want as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else, right? We call those things rights. We have rights. We have freedom. Well, guess what? The Bible doesn't talk about rights at all. The Bible talks about responsibilities we have to others, The Bible says that we are part of people groups, we're part of communities, we're part of the different bodies, and those corporate identities are on top of our individual identity. Well, What about our freedom? The Bible uses the word freedom. Yeah, it does, and it uses it in a completely different way than how we use it. We think freedom means doing whatever we want. Guess what? how the Bible defines freedom? The Bible defines freedom as, now you have the power to love God and serve others. Yeah, really. That's biblical freedom, the freedom to live as God desires for you to live. And we're like, what? How is that freedom? What kind of freedom is that? (sighs) The fundamental problem is this the Bible is God centered, and our culture is human centered or individual centered. This entire talk, therefore, is completely countercultural. It doesn't resonate with us. The concept of Jesus as the supreme ruler of the universe does not resonate. And that's why we talk about Jesus in other ways. Because the Bible, you know, there's other titles for Jesus in the Bible. He's our counselor. He helps us with our problems. He's our teacher. He leads us into truth. He's our friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. He's our savior. He gives us eternal life. And yes, all of these titles are in the Bible. But we choose them because they're all about us. Remember that UPS ad slogan, What Can Brown Do For You? Well, sometimes we make Christianity into What Can Christ Do For You? And believe it or not, we can take biblical concepts and construct an unbiblical Jesus. So let me be clear what I'm saying here. Okay. Yes. Jesus is our counselor. Yes, Jesus is our teacher. Yes, Jesus is our friend. Yes, Jesus is our savior. But what undergirds all of that, what makes all of that possible? Jesus is the supreme ruler of the universe. We use the word Christ a lot. We use the phrase Jesus Christ so often, people end up thinking Christ is like Jesus' last name. We call ourselves Christ followers. Other people call us Christians or Christians. Well, the word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which translates the Hebrew word Mashiach, from which we get the word Messiah. And Messiah, according to Psalm 110, refers to the supreme ruler of the universe. Jesus Christ means Jesus, the supreme ruler of the universe. Every time we use the word Christ, we're talking about his absolute power over everything. It is his core identity, and if we don't get this, we have no business calling ourselves Christ followers. So how do we follow Christ? How do we follow the supreme ruler of the universe? I follow Pastor Chris on Instagram. Um, you know, he has posts, but, you know, he shows pictures of his, you know, in his life, people, people, and he shows, like, events that are happening, good stuff, so I, you know, I I press the heart button when I see his posts, but then, you know, the baseball season starts, and then, like, you know, there's posts about the Cubs, and I don't want to see posts about the Cubs, but I don't want, like, unfollow him because then, then it just gets awkward. Like in the next Zoom meeting, he'll know I unfollowed him and I'll know he knows and I'm just like, ugh, I just I just don't need the grief, right? So here's a, here's a great function in Instagram, if you don't already know it. There is something called the mute function, which means I can put Pastor Chris on mute during baseball season. That way, I can still follow him, but I don't have to see anything about the Cubs. I, I think... Many of us, we follow Jesus the way I follow Pastor Chris on Instagram. We heart what we like and mute what we don't. That's because we live in a pick and choose society. We live in a high-customization society. We live in a society where we get exactly what we want when we want it. And so here's our pick and choose consumerist mentality, and here is Jesus, the supreme ruler of the universe. And they don't come together, not at all. Look, I'm trying to teach something here, and I, and I know, I just know it goes completely against the heart of what our culture is saying is the highest good. All right, it's just, it's just if, if you're not feeling the dissonance, you, you don't get it, okay? This doesn't feel good, all right? It doesn't feel good. What I'm about to say, I don't feel good saying it, and you're not gonna feel good hearing it. But here goes. Following Jesus Christ, following Jesus the Messiah, following Jesus the supreme ruler of the universe means that he is the ruler of your life. And that means that you must obey him in every aspect of your life. Now I know I just said a bad word. I said the word obey, and it has all kinds of negative connotations and overtones and baggage in our culture. And if people, if you've been hurt by people using that word obey, I am sorry, I truly am. But it is the right word. It is the biblical word. The Bible says we must obey Jesus, if the word Christ follower means anything, it means we are a people seeking to obey Jesus in every aspect of our lives. How are you guys doing? I said it doesn't feel very good. I mean, I, I was freaking out prepping this sermon this past week. It's like, oh my gosh, I am so far from obeying Jesus in every aspect of my life. Why am I giving this talk? Ah! Right? This is just horrible. Right? And, and, and talks like this about obedience can just feel oppressive, can feel stifling, can feel like guilt-ridden. But none of that has to be. Following Jesus doesn't have to feel oppressive or stifling or guilt-ridden because we know who is Jesus. He is The supreme ruler of the universe who loves us, who knows us, and wants us to know him. He is different. He's the supreme ruler of the universe who wants a relationship with us. In fact, he's made it such that obedience doesn't really make sense without relationship. Okay, Obedience without relationship, it just leads you to dry legalism or just a whole lot of guilt. Following Jesus means to be in relationship with the supreme ruler of the universe. Relationship lies at the heart of obedience. So, to ask the question, how do you follow Jesus Christ? Well, it gets turned around to to, to the question of how do we have a relationship with Jesus? And that's an easy question. Two things read the Bible and pray. That should not come as a surprise. Okay, we, we talk about that here all the time. These are the two foundational practices that Christ followers have been doing since the beginning of the church. Right, just a couple words on these two things. Reading the Bible. The Bible is not a rule book. It's not a, a book of do's and don'ts. It is a story of what God is doing in our world through Jesus. And so it tells us Jesus' character, his values, his goals, how he sees the world. And if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to truly follow Jesus, you have to know that stuff. You have to know it. And prayer, prayer, prayer is not a religious obligation. Prayer is not a religious ritual. Put it simply, if you want to get to know somebody, you hang out with them. You talk to them. So how do you get to know Jesus? Well, you hang out with him. You talk to him. That's prayer. That's prayer. Prayer is the time when we actually get into the nitty-gritty of our lives, right? How do I follow Jesus in my use of social media? How do I follow Jesus in my classroom? How do I follow Jesus in my family, in my workplace? You talk to Jesus about it during prayer time, and you're like, that feels weird, right? It's like, why would I call up the supreme ruler of the universe to talk to him about my algebra class? This is where Jesus is weird, but it's what he wants, He wants us to talk to him. And in talking to him, he helps us understand what he's about and empowers us so that we can live a life of obedience to him. Bible and prayer. They help us develop a relationship with him so that we are transformed into obedience to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Putifan is a, is a, is a person in our Blackhawk Chinese ministry, and I want, just want to share a little bit of her story with you. Real clip.
1: 大概两年前开始, 然后也每天祷告, 然后我就感觉到了神带给我的一些改变, 当然更多的是感受到了神带给我的安慰和力量 Bible and prayer.
0: If you want a relationship with Jesus, that's the starting point. But it's not just the starting point. It's not like we graduate from Bible and prayer. It doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. It's always about Bible and prayer. And so these two things, that's, where we're gonna focus on as a community, as a church this fall. Look, this COVID-19 season has made us feel isolated. And we're feeling like we're losing a sense of who we are and what we're about. And so we have you know, all kinds of groups that you can sign up and join and that should alleviate some of that isolation. But you know the reality is, right? These Zoom meetings and these groups, they're not gonna take away all of that sense of isolation. And, and the truth is our social calendar looks pretty empty and the quality of our Netflix queue is dropping below 6.5 on IMDB. So I say, let's leverage this time. Let's leverage this space. Let's let God redeem this time. I wanna challenge all of you, I mean, the, all because the whole church, all of us, challenge us this fall that we follow Jesus together. We're, we're doing a, a sermon series starting on September 13th. It's, it's called the I Am, The One Who Changes Everything. It's about Jesus. It's use of the I Am statements in the Gospel of John. We're going to dive deep into who is Jesus, and we're going to help you dive deep into reading the Bible and prayer. And if you say, I don't know how to pray, I don't know how to read the Bible, we will have tools for you. We will have reading guides. We'll have prayer guides. We will help you. And if you are somebody who used to pray and read and you're like, oh, I kind of lost that practice, what better time to come back? What better time to root ourselves in Jesus Christ, in Jesus the Messiah, in Jesus the supreme ruler of the universe. Our dream, our hope, is that all of us, the church, as one body, we come through this, whatever this thing is, however long it is, or whatever it looks like on the other end of it, we come through as a body where every single one of us knows Jesus better, is more rooted in our relationship with him, and is more committed than ever to obey him in every aspect of our lives. Please join me in prayer. Father, you're the supreme ruler of the universe. Jesus, you're the supreme ruler of the universe. And we confess that we don't know what that means. We confess that we pick and choose. We confess that we mute you sometimes. And we have this thing about us just we want things our way so we confess all of that before you you know that about us we confess it. we lay it before you and we say father work in our lives work in our hearts transform us into the people you want us to be and father we want to cooperate with that so help us give us the commitment to dive into your word and be disciplined in talking and getting to know you help us with that all of us, this whole body, Lord. We love you. To you be all the glory, all the honor, and all praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.